and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. Now, before we get started, we're going to take a quick break and listen to an all-important message. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Rachel Meiselman. And uh, (laughs) as always, there is so much to talk about. Uh, And, you know, every so often I say to myself, my goodness, wouldn't it be nice if I could just uh, share some positive, uplifting news. Uh, But there's always uh, things to talk about that are not quite right. Uh, things that have gone awry, uh, things that are right, not quite right, uh, they seem amiss. And unfortunately, these issues, uh, these situations not really being discussed in too many other places. So uh, I try to do what I can to give coverage. And of course, I try to talk about a number of other issues uh, that you can hear about, uh, you know, from other uh, independent journalists, journalists who work for uh, mainstream media. And, and I do that because it's not because it's being covered elsewhere um, that I shouldn't talk about it. Uh, I mean, the point of my show has never been and all the years that I've been doing this, and it's, my gosh, it's been 14 years, yikes. <laughs> um, it's never been to talk about exclusively what is not being discuss, uh, discussed or covered elsewhere. It's to certainly give issues that have received uh, short shrift, <laughs> give them, I think, uh, an ample uh kind of uh, unpacking, if you will, um, but also to discuss the issues that you that you hear about in other places, but from a unique perspective, uh, or what I hope is a unique perspective. So I want to continue um, talking about some of the things that I talked about in, la- in the last week's show. Uh, as people know, um, I am I am a Republican, I am a conservative, and the two aren't necessarily the same thing, uh, not at all, in fact. And I say that because I think it's important for people to know that there are, in fact, different perspectives uh, that are available to be heard. And, and, and for that, I... I, I you know, I announced my party affiliation. Having said that, I also try to be fair 
I try to be objective. And, you know, I always, of course, remind people that I understand fully that my opinion does not double as fact. Um, But when I do give my opinion, when I do proffer my opinion, I do like for it to be rooted in a certain amount of evidence. Uh, I like to make arguments uh, that are relatively cogent. And, you know, one of the things that has really bothered me, and again, I spoke about it at length in last week's show, is that we're living in a post-truth climate where people think that they can just say whatever they want and it's okay. And it's really not, or should I say, but it's not. It's, it's not okay to, to say things that aren't true or to say things that you, uh, that you're, you can't prove or that you know to be untrue. That's, that is, that is so unacceptable. That is such, I mean, I could, I could use a 50 cent word, but I'm just going to use a basic word, um, Some of you know that I, for many years, was in a classroom for 13 years, and I worked uh, with non-native English speakers, and some of them, they didn't know much English at all. Um, They were learning the alphabet, and then I had students who really, quite frankly, they were bilingual Uh, But they had come to the United States to study English more for the cultural experience, which I appreciated and and fully respected. Um, I, you know, I mentioned that because, you know, I would always stress to my students, well, you want to build your vocabulary. And in the beginning, when when you're learning English, what are the words that you might latch on to? Good bad, nice, you know, words like that, basic words that can be used in many different contexts. Now, again, I could use a word that's a little bit more, um, uh, more along the lines of those, what we call those 50 cent words, those SAT words. But I think uh, it's largely sufficient to say that the behavior that we see today where people, again, they just, they just say whatever they want, whatever comes into their heads, and they don't expect to be held accountable. And the claims and the statements are becoming increasingly outrageous because a lot of people aren't being held accountable. And so the word I'm going to use is bad. This is very, very, very bad. And I think that, again, that, that word is, is, is uh, sufficient to describe what is really, quite frankly, disturbing behavior. I mean, think about it. Someone can stand up and say whatever he or she wants, or at least he or she thinks he can, and unfortunately, to a large extent, he or she 
in fact, is able to do that. And because of that, it makes it very difficult to have intellectually honest discussions. It's very hard. It's very difficult to have debates. And, and you know, of course, there are other concerns, too. I mean, if people can say whatever they wish, or at least, <laughs> or at least if they're not held accountable, then they can make up stories about people. And, and the fact that, you know, people are writing and speaking, um, you know, because this isn't just, um, you know, this isn't just at an event uh, or, um, you know, in, in front of a, a microphone, uh, you know, in a live Facebook Live and Instagram Live. I mean, people are also posting things, you know, written. Um, and it's, it's, you know, technically that, <laughs> that that's illegal. You I mean, you can't make up false statements that are going to harm somebody's reputation. You can't do that. Um, but again, we, we have people who are making up statements. Um, sometimes it's about facts that they claim that they're just putting forth and putting out there in the arena um, the marketplace of ideas, or they think that they're shedding, uh, you know, shedding light on an issue. Uh, that's what they're claiming. Um, or, uh, again, you know, people are making up uh, falsehoods. And it's just, it's it's got to stop. It's it, it really, it has to stop. And I think that it's really time that we hold people accountable. You know, and it's, I find it, quite frankly, embarrassing, particularly Republicans engaging in this kind of behavior, because at the end of the day, no one should be behaving like this. But, you know, we, we focus a lot on personal accountability, personal responsibility. I mean, think about it. The core values of the Republican Party, uh, individual freedom, you know, liberty. And our freedom is because we don't have this government that's big, that's ubiquitous, and that's ever-present. Uh, I mean, I mean, obviously, right now, uh, and at different times in our history, we have had a government that is big. And uh, there have been times when it's justifiable. Uh, you know, if there's an exceptional circumstance going on, if there is war, if there is uh, a pandemic, uh, you know, it's different chapters in our history. Um, there is uh, a justification for an expansion of government. But this this country has worked best when it just gets out of the people's way and, and, you know, people, they themselves can decide what shape their lives are going to take. And, you know, the, with that freedom comes 
responsibility, personal responsibility, accountability. So, you know, as Republicans, if we're going to argue for limited government and greater responsibility, uh, uh, um, you know, limited government, and that translates to uh, freedom, uh, a unique singular freedom uh, for the citizens of this great nation, well, then we, in principle, we recognize that with that great freedom, that liberty, uh, comes responsibility and uh, accountability. But, you know, here, here you have people who are, quite frankly, abusing <laughs> freedom of speech. They're, they're abusing uh, freedom of expression. And again, it, it, it has to stop. People have to be held accountable. So, you know, I am, again, going to uh, refer to Rayla Campbell. Rayla Campbell, of course, is, uh, for the the people who um, are in Massachusetts, in Boston, um, I say, of course, but for those of you who are outside, you might not uh, be as familiar with her or you might not know her at all. Well, I mean, to be fair, there might be some people in Massachusetts who don't know her um, right here in Boston who may not be uh, aware of her, uh, know who she is. Um, But she is the—but I think enough people do, uh, particularly uh, after her her last uh, outrageous, quite frankly, vile, disgusting stunt. Um, She is uh, the Republican nominee uh, for Secretary of State. And I spoke about her because at uh, the recent uh, Massachusetts Republican Convention, we, we have one every four years, uh, she got up and she made, it was an undeniably sensational claim. Uh, and she, you know, said that, uh, that, you know, our children, and she was very specific about the age group. She said five-year-olds, they're being taught, they're being instructed to perform sex acts on each other. And, I mean, that's (laughs) what seemingly the Republican leadership in the state wants to now do is have a debate about what's in the schools. And they want to frame the debate as they are the ones who are blowing the lid off of what is happening, what parents don't know about, after they've dropped their children off at school, uh, that they don't know what's happening to their children, that their children are not safe. Now, here, here, here's the problem. Again, it's a sensational claim. Before we embark on a ferocious debate on either side. First and foremost, Rayla Campbell, where is this taking place? 
what school district? What schools within the school district? What are the teachers who are, you know, you're saying that they're being instructed to, you know, five-year-olds are being instructed to perform sex acts on each other. Okay, they're being taught this. Um, Who are the teachers? What was the rationale? Not that I believe that there is any rationale for something like this. I mean, of course there's not. But the thing is, the question is, is this in fact going on in the schools? You cannot say that something like this is going on in schools in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and not give the school district and not talk about who signed off on this. And if this is going on in, 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 in school district X or school district Y, why hasn't Ms. Campbell gone up to the schools within the school districts in question or school district in question if this is in fact happening? And why hasn't she vigorously and loudly protested? So Rayla Campbell, supported by the Massachusetts Republican Party leadership, would have us believe that this is happening, that this is horrible, and, and obviously some, if, if this is happening, it, it would, of course, be horrible. But it's so horrible that they haven't protested. It's so horrible that when Rayla Campbell ran for Congress in 2020, She never, with, with, with all the, the little performance pieces that she put on, that she didn't see fit to open up her mouth and talk about this. I mean, she, she found time to talk about a variety of issues without, of course, explaining how she would address them and what would permit her to address them based on her educational and professional background. But no, she never, she never talked about this when she was running for Congress. She did mention that indoctrination happens in schools, but she didn't get specific. And, and I mean, certainly if, if she would have said something like this, I think, I think people would have remembered. I certainly would have remembered. So the most that she kind of said around what is taking place in schools and and speaking to inappropriate content or even wildly inappropriate contact, or or even very worrisome co- uh, content, is is that there's there's indoctrination, and she only said that after I I started talking about it. I talked about it during an interview, and then boom, she talked about it. 
The difference is, is that I can give specifics. I can point to examples. And I've been talking about indoctrination for a number of years now, because I do think that it happens to a certain extent in a number of different schools. So let me explain myself. I think that increasingly there is a push to tell our children how to think. I'm sorry, what to think as opposed to how to think. So for me, that's a form of indoctrination. Telling our children what to think as opposed to how to think. That's not a teacher's job. Critical thinking is is a key component in a solid educational foundation. And I think, again, increasingly, children, and then all the way up through college students, uh, you know, well past bachelors, it could be masters, PhDs, and We hear about instances, whether it's here in Massachusetts at one academic institution or another or elsewhere. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of teachers, for instance, bring their politics into the classroom. Now, I understand that there might be instances where politics can come up, but at the end of the day, Students should still feel free to form their own opinion about an issue. So for me, that's a form of indoctrination. I can speak about that. If someone were to press me, I could give examples. Now, You might not agree with me, but I could give an example. So, for instance, uh, there was recently at um, one of my Ame Matras, Boston Latin School, there was a poem that was written by a student about West Roxbury. Now, for those of you who are less familiar listening, you might be outside of Massachusetts, you might be less familiar with the geography of Boston, uh, West Roxbury is one of the uh, neighborhoods of Boston. And it also happens to be one of the neighborhoods in which I spent a part of my childhood. Uh, At any rate, uh, there was a poem written, and I thought it was quite disparaging. It, It was essentially talking about being white and being affluent. And the idea about West Roxbury is if you live there, you are white, you are affluent, and then as an extension of that, you're out of touch. And you don't understand what the other feels. You don't understand what it means not to have, to go without. And I I find that 
gross. I find that gross because this was an assignment that was, it was approved. It was approved. Obviously, a teacher, several teachers, at least one teacher, the teacher uh, who gave, that gave the assignment, read this poem and 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 for those of you again who are less familiar with with uh maybe not only the geography of Boston but also uh everything that's been going on here uh West Roxbury has been under attack uh there is this idea that if you come from West Roxbury again you're white and you're privileged you're wealthy and there're all kinds of negative attributes that you get stuck with and it's it's very sad it's very unfortunate to make assumptions about people because of the zip code that they come from now if we were talking about a zip code that was maybe less affluent, uh, a zip code where you had, um, you know, a higher number of people of modest means. Let's say that same zip code, uh, people were people of color, black, brown. Would it be acceptable to write a poem and make assumptions about those people? No, of course not. The point is, is that you don't make assumptions about people because of where they live, because of their skin color. Not everyone who lives in West Roxbury has money. There are people there, there are a number of people there that are comfortable, maybe even wealthy, but even so, it, it that doesn't mean that these people are out of touch, that they don't care, that they can't feel, that they can't put themselves in other people's shoes, and that they themselves are not discriminated against. I mean, anyone can be the victim of discrimination. When it comes to racism, racism isn't racism. It's it, <laughs> or isn't racist, rather. You know, if 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 you could describe racism, if you could personify it, you know, racism. You would say racism isn't racist. Anyone can be racist, and anyone can be the victim of racism. Right? That that stands to reason. That that follows. So. That's that's one example for me, and I was immensely disappointed because, again, uh, this is my alma mater, and uh, it, it's also a place where I spent part of my childhood. Uh, I did not think of myself as rich. Um, I come from a blue-collar background, and I'm not white. <laughs> I'm mixed race. So... You know, these assumptions about people because of the zip code that they come from, they're not 
the 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 most diplomatic thing I could say is these these ideas, these preconceived notions are not helpful. So this is for me one instance of indoctrination, right? So I give a concrete example. I say what school district it's in. I, I give the name of the school. And that's how you do it. Now, I know that there might be people who disagree with me and say that it was an exercise and that uh, this is a young poet and the poet is just expressing just, you know, this is just an expression of 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 creativity. And I of course, would say, well, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. Um, but for me, that I would put forth that as, as an example. I think that there are a number of teachers um, that bring their politics into the classroom, and I think they need to stop. I think that children, students of all ages, should feel comfortable expressing themselves. I had a teacher one time um, at Bunker Hill College, um, because that's, I'm proud to say that's also one of my, all my uh, mantras. And I had a teacher, a wonderful teacher, professor, excuse me. um, And he said, well, you know, I have great respect for teachers, but um, I want to um, uh, respect uh, the education, um, the extra step uh, that this particular instructor took to get his PhD. So uh, I uh, want to be uh, cognizant of all that and, again, respectful. Uh, so I had one professor, and, and he said something that I'll always carry around with me. He said that a student, if he if he gave an assignment and... You know, and and it was and it was within the 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 boundaries of the assignment to talk about him as a professor. That that was this is the example he gave, and the student said, "Well, I actually think you're a horrible professor. I think you're a bad professor." He said that he would give the student a good grade if the student could argue his point. And I thought, wow, that's really great. That's awesome. <laughs> I, you know, I, I said, my goodness, that, that's, that's the, I think that's the gold standard. Students should feel comfortable expressing them, themselves and they shouldn't be made to feel like if they don't adopt a certain set of beliefs or a certain position on an issue, they shouldn't feel that that's going to cost them in terms of their grade, or maybe they won't get a letter of reference, or maybe they won't get recommended uh, for an internship or something along those lines. What Rayla Campbell did was something different. She made a very, actually a very, very serious accusation, brought forth a very serious allegation didn't again say the school school didn't even you know mention a school district nothing 
she just threw out a lurid, very lurid allegation, and she used very deliberately crude terms. And I guess that's, you know, it's not only being in the post-truth era, but it's also this idea where anything goes. And I'm not down with that. I'm not picking up with some people are trying to put down. I think there's a time and a place for everything. And I don't look at decorum and having a sense of it as being an antiquated relic. You're running for public office. It's a high-profile one at that. You need to conduct yourself with dignity. And no one is saying that you know, Rayla or anyone else, Rayla Campbell, anyone else has to grab a dictionary and, you know, uh, you know, select, um, uh, you know, uh, a very specific, uh, you know, group of words, you know, use a certain lexicon uh, in order to, uh, you know, make statements in order to speak of course not. Um, it's important to be natural. And, you know, just like we don't want to judge people based on the zip code that they're coming from, we don't want to judge people the way they speak, you know, or the accent that, you know, they may have. We don't want to make assumptions. We don't want to devalue what the person has to say before the person actually says it, right? for the people actually say it. So, you know, Rayla doesn't have to speak like she's, uh, I don't know, um, <laughs> uh, a barrister. Uh, she doesn't have to speak like she is uh, an MIT professor. She does because she's not. And that's not good or bad. It just is. But she surely knows enough of the English language. She has a firm enough grasp of the English language that she could have expressed that same idea in less graphic terms. But the idea was to be as shocking as possible. And the fact that she cannot offer any proof, I'm sorry, but I'm disgusted. And I really believe that no Republican, no Republican whatsoever should get behind this and, and, and co-sign this. It's, it's wrong. Well, you know, it was crude, but... No, but there are no buts. It's, it's, it's actually, first and foremost, she threw out a very sensational claim and then on top of that, she, she expressed it very crudely. So let's go back to this idea of people just throwing out ideas and, and, and just saying whatever they want without feeling the need to substantiate what they're saying. I... <laughs> 
think about this. Rayla Campbell's running for office. Elected officials are held to a higher standard. What happens if we have elected officials who can then start saying whatever they please or think they can, and they don't have to uh, put forth proof? They don't have to substantiate what they're saying. And so Rayla right now, what she's trying to do is prove things after the fact. And so if you look at her social media, she's uh, referring to the filth. And, you know, that's that's one word she used, the filth that they're teaching in the schools. And it's like, okay, but you're referring to library books. And, you know, what age group is it for? You know, it's, you know, where is this book being used? Because you're talking about books from a library. But the claim you made is that there's instruction inside a classroom. Okay. And then she keeps on citing things. She cited this one. She, if you, all you have to do is go to her social media. Uh, and she's doubling and tripling and quadrupling down. Um, and and, and the Massachusetts Republican Party leadership is just right behind her pushing this, which is it's it's a sad day for my party. It really, truly is. Um, But she's she's providing links. So she provided a link to a Daily Mail article, a British uh, newspaper, and it referenced uh, a very, I think, inappropriate book that is being used in the classroom. But it's in Dorset, England. <laughs> it's not even in this country. Forget about this state. And then she referenced um, some other instruction that was, I think, taking place in the classroom. I think, believe that's what it was. It was taking place in a classroom, and uh, it was... You know, a lot of people were up in arms. But again, it's not in this state. It's in North Carolina. So where is the inappropriate? Where is the graphic? Where are these graphic lessons taking place? So we, we don't we don't have that. And so now she looks like a liar. And I hesitate to call people liars. but. She's being pressed for information, and she's blocking people on social media. And she keeps on referring to egregious instances of, particularly egregious instances of, if I can frame it like this or phrase it like this, miseducation. And none of them are here in Massachusetts, in in a Massachusetts classroom. This is outrageous. This is absolutely outrageous. Again, it's a very sad day for the Massachusetts Republican Party. I'm going to go to quick break. Another quick break. Uh, for those of you just tuning in, my name is Rachel Meiselman. You're listening to me on Bostonian Rap. This is... Uh, station WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. And this is, of course, Boston's 
only, well, I shouldn't say only, <laughs> it's a Boston's community radio station. So a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about other instances where people are just popping off, <laughs> saying whatever they feel they want, uh, whatever uh, seemingly, almost seemingly, comes into their heads, and they don't, again, like Miss Campbell, they don't think that uh, they have to substantiate what they're saying, or they don't think that people are actually going to ask questions. If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify and how to enroll at FCC.gov ACP or call toll-free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. Grassroots Baseball's mission is to promote and celebrate the amateur game around the globe with a focus on growing interest and participation at the youngest level. The overarching goal of Grassroots Baseball is to work to give back by providing inspiration, instruction, and equipment to help ensure more children have the opportunity to learn, play, and enjoy the game. To learn more about Grassroots Baseball, you can visit www.grassrootsbaseball.org. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figuerella, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. So we just, uh, yeah, had a quick break, and uh, we're going to talk about more, uh, quite frankly, um, <laughs> it can only be described as lunacy uh, that's that's happening right now. So, you know, as, as I've been keen to stress in last week's show, this week's show, that we're living in a, an un, in a very much an unhealthy climate. Uh, the truth is something that is sub, has become subjective, and it's it's become for some people whatever they want it to be. So let's uh, let's uh, give another example of what I mean. Uh, Jeff Deal. Now, I'm going to say that. Jeff Deal, I actually, I, you know, I have supported him in the past. I don't think, I don't think that he's racist. I don't, I don't think that he's a bigot. Um, that's not the Jeff Deal that I supported. Um, I, I, 
you know, I, I operate from, from the position that, and I'm speaking broadly now, I trust and hope that people are decent until they show me otherwise. And I do not run from the fact that I supported Jeff Deal in the past. I'm proud to have supported Jeff Deal. And I have seen Jeff be very pleasant and very affable. And I've seen him care. I've seen him be present. And I've seen him want to do the work of a public servant. Um, I will admit that I don't like... (laughs) um, I mean, this this whole, like, I, I look at him now as a member of Jim Lyons, who, of course, is the chair of the Massachusetts Republican Party. Uh, he's part of Jim Lyons' team, Jim Lyons' crew, if you will. And I've made no secret about my uh, disapproval of how Jim Lyons runs the party. He runs a Massachusetts Republican Party uh, like it's a club. Right. It's a group that is built around uh, interests, shared interests that are determined by the club leader. That is, of course, Jim. But of course, it's not a club, is it? It's not a group of people that are united around shared interest. We're. If you will, we are a group of people, but we are united around shared values, core values that Jim Lyons did not come up with, that he has not determined. They were there well before Jim Lyons was head of this party, well before Jim Lyons was a Republican, well before Jim Lyons was even born, okay? This the, the core values of the party. And it's not for Jim Lyons to determine and to decide and to parse who is a Republican and who is not. So I've been very upfront that I'm uncomfortable with that, and I don't think that that's the way to grow a party. I don't think that's the way to run a party. Um, but to get back to Jeff Deal, um, you know, and... and Providing this this example, uh, this example that I'm about to provide, I I, I want to preface what I'm about to say by saying I'm not saying this. This isn't me trying to go to town on Jeff Deal. This isn't me looking to, uh, you know, really ream him. Okay, so this, so that's why I, I shared, willingly shared that, you know, I have been a supporter of his in the past. But of course, recently he, you know, he shared that one of his daughters, you know, he's, he has, uh, he has daughters, and uh, one of his daughters, um, student athlete, she had to sign a form that was well relative to her white privilege. And so that, that disturbed him that, that, 
his daughter had to, he saw it as her having to admit that she had this privilege because she's white. And he, you know, of course, you know, he's seeing this as something that is, is harmful. It's, it's, it creates division. And, and of course, you know, to sign, you know, something that would, that would have a student repudiate, reject privilege of any kind, um, you know, of course, uh, that that would be aberrant. That would be something that one would be understandably up in arms about. Um, but it was later revealed that there is no such pledge that it was, it was, uh, I guess there's a course, an implicit bias, um, but there was nothing that talked about white privilege and there was, there was, uh, nothing that, uh, would, um, have Jeff Deal's daughter admit to having such a privilege. And, and I'm basically kind of just given, um, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say I'm given the bare bones of the story, but I'm not, you know, going into as extensive detail. Um, but I do still find it upsetting because, again, it's just, it, the idea is that they're trying to tie it into this overall, like, oh, look what's happening in, in the schools. Look, you know, they're... If it's not, you know, critical race theory, it's grooming. If it's the, you know, and it's just, okay, you have to give examples and you can't make things up. And the reason why I'm not going into as extensive detail, the reason why I'm not, you know, I don't sound as <laughs> upset. I mean, I'm not happy. Um, but, you know, these aren't, I mean, this, this particular claim of Jeff Deals, why it's, it's, it's definitely not good. You can't, you just can't make things up. I can't stress that enough. Um, but of course, it's not something of the lurid nature, um, of the other claim that was made by, um, you know, the GOP's, the state party's um, candidate for secretary of state. Um, and also, Jeff Deal doesn't have a history of um, making, well, <laughs> he doesn't have as, as an extensive history as, as, as Rayla Campbell of, of doing and saying outrageous things. In fact, um, that doesn't seem to be his... His um, that's never been um, his um, kind of uh, M.O. And uh, even now being part of Team Lions, that's not something that he's um, kind of adopted. But still, this idea where he's throwing out this 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 allegation, putting forth this allegation, 
I mean, people are feeling pretty raw right now. And I mean, he's running to be the president of the state. <laughs> he's running to be the governor. So it's 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 really important that he says things that people can believe in. People are feeling raw because they feel let down by politicians, by elected officials at every level of government. And so when you're running for office, you you got to say things that people can believe in. You got to speak with sincerity. And, and you can't put forth an allegation. You can't put forth, you can't tell a story and then say, well, here's the context. Or it can be, it could easily be construed as, you, know, we, you can't be doing that. Because it doesn't look good. It doesn't make you look good. And so this, like I said, this is all this post-truth, this post-truth era. And, you know, I'm going to call anybody and everybody out because, you know, while I wasn't happy about that story that Jeff put forth, that doesn't make him look, you know, it didn't make him look too good because people are saying, well, Jeff. There's no such pledge like that. I mean, your daughter didn't have to sign anything like that. You know, the superintendent, I believe, weighed in. Um, I mean, he just, it didn't make him look good. Um, having said that, um, there was a man, um, and I am going to put him out there, um, Rosenlaw, and he attributed what Rayla Campbell said um, at the convention to Jeff Deal. And I called him out. I, I, I most certainly did because, again, it's, we have to be careful. It's not about walking on eggshells. It's not about being afraid to speak or express ourselves. It's not about censoring ourselves. But we have to, we have to be responsible when we speak. We have to be responsible when we're public figures. And the reason why I'm talking so much about my party is because, quite frankly, I think that there are elements. There are many wonderful Democrats, but there are cert there's a certain faction, and I think that they have gone too far. They've gone entirely too far. And if my party wants to be seen as a reasonable alternative, then we have to be truthful. We have to be credible. And what we say and do has to be rooted in pragmatism. And I could go on and on. But that is unfortunately all I have time for for today. But as always, I look forward to hanging out with you next week. Again, my name is Rachel Meiselman, and you've been listening to me on Bostonian Rap. WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 
0219, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.